On the cover, Eliza Highwire dangles from her feet on a trapeze line high above a circus ring, where a monstrous form made of whirling dust reaches up to grab her. Below, infantry charges the monster, inches from planting what will no doubt be a mighty hit. Atop the trapeze stand, we can see the silence, a hand outstretched to help Eliza up and out of danger. In the bleachers stands the mustachioed form of one Professor Paradox, hands spread and cackling in villainous laughter. The caption reads, Shiver! As our heroes face unspeakable doom, thrill at their amazing feats of daring do, witness the time-traveling machinations of Professor Paradox. All this and more in this issue of Apex City, Hindsight, the Golden Age. Welcome to the Gold Era. So our opening pages are kind of a little sapia-toned and they get color as we go. And we come over uh, Apex City and we have big swooping arches, art deco everything, decorative everything, gilt all over the place, everything is just glittery and gleaming. And this is a very different city than we have seen in the previous wartime comics, because Apex was very much about austerity uh, in the mid-40s, but we have bounced back with a fucking vengeance. And we come into the center of town where there is a big top set up, and there are just lines of people lined up outside waiting to get in. It's just coming into dusk, like the street lamps are just starting to come up and everyone is sort of like chattering away. And inside, we come on a young person getting ready. This is Highwire. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, one and all, it's me, Eliza Highwire, the high-flying, flipping, flying, fun-having star of the circus. Nice. So, Highwire, let's let's write quick on the page. What do you look like right now? Okay, so um, Highwire is a small, slender uh, young woman. She's got a, a light complexion and bushy red hair that kind of sticks out on the side, and she's wearing an outfit that is like a combination of so many of the the sort of outfits you'd associate with a circus. She's got a, a tiny little top hat kind of fascinator and a vest like a ringmaster, but also like a tutu and tights like a sort of tightrope walker, both at once. And she's always just a bundle of energy. She's like always in motion because she's always, always excited and happy to be here. And we move from those scenes uh, out past a uh, a young lady standing in uh, in Eliza's like the doorway to her kind of like little dressing area. Um, and this is kind of a young slender lady with like tied back black hair wearing the um, like the very traditional trapeze like leotard kind of thing. Uh, this is Vivian in Furnace and. She is part of a uh, new group that has joined the Keen Sisters Circus fairly recently. Uh, she clears her throat and kind of motions for you to come along because you can kind of start hearing uh, off in the background, you know, the, the crowd starting to get warmed up. Like, things are going to start very, very quickly. From there, we move out of the tent and up onto the rooftops of the city, overlooking an alleyway that is very quickly falling into shadow, and we can see some street toughs in one corner, waiting for some unsuspecting, uh, you know, late circus goer to go by. But up on the rooftop, we see a figure. The Silence, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Ah, so um, the Silence is crouched on, you said the rooftop, looking over these street toughs. He kind of looks like Spider Noir, sort of that same aesthetic with the, you know, the fedora and like the, the long coat. He's wearing, um, like men's trousers, um, a button down shirt, a tie, vest, uh, men's dress shoes. He's wearing a mask that, um, looks like Spider Noir's, but, um, the eyes are just like plain old circles, like they're not tapered at the edges. And his eyes are currently narrowed as he's looking down at the kids. So there's no speech bubbles because he's the silence, but the text box that overlays the panel says the silence, aka Norma Kelly, parenthetical. We'll get into that later. And I want you to give me maybe like one panel further, because as these uh, as these street toughs are waiting for a victim, a young couple does walk by on their way to the circus, and it's like they're kind of, you know, walking uh, and talking to each other. It looks like they've maybe just been out on a date, and they're about to be a little bit fashionably late to the circus. And as they cross the alley, these two street toughs jump out behind them, uh, and one of them has like a blackjack up. What do you do? 
Why do you say we do some heterophobia, boys? Oh, anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we see um, there's like a, a shadow that like passes over the street tufts as the silence jumps from one rooftop to the other. And we see him bounce off of the, the side of the building and land between the street tufts and the couple out on the date. And uh, he reaches for the street tufts and his hand sort of like encompasses the panel and it goes black. Nice. I like that. We get back to the circus, where Eliza Highwire is uh, currently in the middle of her act. And tell me about this act a little bit. It is... The the word that I would use to describe it is extra. Uh, Eliza is swinging from a trapeze, and she flips off of the trapeze and lands on a tightrope which isn't something that I would think is possible, but it is. And then she pulls sort of like out of her hat a like one of those scarves that just goes goes on forever, right? And throws that, throws that down and it like bursts into bubbles. It's just, it's all, it's all the things at once, you know? Nice. This is very whimsical, Evan. Nice. Yeah, that's what I do. I'm 100% there for it. We move once again out of the uh, circus tent, and we can hear, uh, well, I guess we see across the top of the page, we have a sound effect that's basically ring 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 This is like an old-timey alarm at a jewelry store uh, where we can see a heist in progress. And there are three burly men in black domino masks and like the the, the stripey shirts, right? That all the, all the henchmen wear. The black and white right? striped yep, shirts. Yep, 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 yep. yep those things. Yeah. Uh, I think one of them definitely has an anchor tattoo because as you do in the 40s. Uh, do they have a, a bag with a dollar sign on it? Oh, hell yes. Even it's, though they're robbing a jewelry store, is, that's very important. It is classic. It's classic. Uh, it has a you dollar sign. You guys brought the wrong bag. That's our bank robbing bag. This is a jewelry store. I just understand that mon- that jewels can be exchanged for money. I- I'm just thinking one step ahead. <laughs> And coming onto the scene in as action-y heroic a manner as possible, Infantry, would you like to introduce yourself? Infantry is very much your not stereotypical soldier in the sense that he is, in fact, a super-powered soldier. But uh, he still retains a lot of that look of a standard soldier. He's got, like, short-cropped, dark hair, very much a lean, toned type of body. He does have glowing veins, would be the best way to describe it, coursing across his arms and legs, because they are cybernetic. Uh, If you think back to the late 90s, early 2000s, when all of the video game rage was uh, see-through electronics, that type of look is what his arms would look like. He is wearing a very slim, like, form-fitting, very much similar to the Captain America soldier type of uniform. I'm sorry, I got caught in my own description. What exactly is the action that's going on at the moment? There are three burly criminals in black domino masks and uh, black and white striped shirts with the classic bags with dollar signs on them, knocking over a jewelry store. Now it is after hours, so there is no one in this jewelry store. Okay, in that case, I think, assuming it would be allowed, he would probably just like, run into the scene and do his best to put one of the guys through the window of the jewelry store. Nice. So you, like, have them on their way out. Yes. Like, as they're running out, he intercepts and just, like, body checks one of them through the glass to send a message. I think that is an excellent, excellent panel to kind of, like, freeze on. And we get back down to that alleyway where uh, the silence has now finished dealing with these street toughs. And I think the, uh, the couple that you saved are, like halfway between thanking you and maybe like running away from you because you're kind of an intimidating figure sure am uh the silence is gonna look at the the couple that are like running away Uh and do like a like a finger gun thing (laughs) like a cool like head nod finger gun thing like don't mention it that's good so how have you restrained these two street toughs or have you at this point uh yeah they're uh they're probably tied up in the classic golden age back-to-back sort of situation with some rope And you hear from a couple of blocks down the street because, you know, as you do, you hear the sound of glass shattering as infantry puts someone through a window, which of course you don't know what that is at this point, but for our readers, for the readers. And uh, and as we get that, are you heading in that direction or what are you doing? Yeah, the silence is going to 
tie the, you know, like the, the classic sort of Spider-Man thing. The, the street toughs are attached to a light pole with a note that says four cops on it. <laughs> nice. Is it like signed the silence? It would, uh, yeah, I was about to say with like an S, like signed S. Perfect. And then he goes up the, the fire escape, like Batman style, like super cool, and sort of jumps across the rooftops, um, doing just some really, really awesome 1940s parkour, and uh, sort of lands adjacent to the, the jewelry store. Cool. Cool. Sort of scoping it out. Uh, so at this point, infantry, you have basically checked a guy through a window. Uh, the other two are sort of like spread out around you being very, very hesitant, and they have pulled from holsters on their sides some very sciency looking ray guns. They, uh, they have like the big cone at the end with like the little antenna with the ball at it, right? And one of them shoots uh, a, a like zippy lightning streak at you. It has like the zot uh, sound effect going through it. So what do you do? I think what he would do at that point is he would do his best to sort of just like old school Batman style, just like dodging off to the side. He's mm. just going to like charge straight in and attempt to disarm the two of them. Let's have this be our first roll of the session. Go ahead and directly engage a threat. I can do that. This is probably a good time also to ask Infantry, because we didn't go over this. Tell us about your playbook. Yes, I am playing as the soldier playbook with uh, super strength and durability and augmented mechanical limbs. My moves that I have chosen, I start off with before we get started and more than a shield. Basically, before we get started gives me bonuses and different options if I get time to sort of scope out my opposition before I get fighting, which I didn't get a chance to do in this case. And then more than a shield, when I basically charge into action, I can use Savior instead of Danger, which is a much better stat for me. And I'm glad I said that, because that brings me from a 5 up to an 8 on that directly engage roll. Alright, so you'd get one choice off of that list. What do you want to do? Uh, yeah, I will take something from my opposition, which would be those sciency ray guns that they've got. Uh, so you take their sciency ray guns and tell us how that looks on the page. Are you just like grabbing them or what you doing? Yeah, uh, the way I see it is basically like infantry has been trained in hand-to-hand -hand combat. He grabs the closer guy by the wrist and like sort of chops his arm to get him to drop the gun. Uh, sort of using that guy as a shield, he shoves him into the other guy. And then as the gun like flies through the air, very old school comic book style, just like grabs it out of the air to stop them from grabbing it back. Nice. So what we didn't do was resist or avoid their blows. I think, uh, yeah, you chop the, the one out of the one guy's hand, and I think that kind of startles definitely the both of them. And so the second one fires and then just like throws the gun hole at you. And uh, as you're sort of like catching it out of the air, he is already darting down an alleyway. So he is definitely trying to get away at this point. Let's get back right quick into that circus tent with Eliza Highwire. Your act is coming to a close. There is just thunderous applause uh, kind of all over the place. Of course. And as we get these panels, uh, the, the circus tents start to flicker. And then one by one, they go out, leaving the tent in just this pitch blackness. And people are starting to, you know get a little bit panicky as you do when you're trapped in a circus tent with a bunch of people and assumedly animals and you know it's just not a great scene and from your vantage point because would you have taken your battles like sort of up in the air or definitely like down on the ground oh of course up in the air of course we're not we're not right. doing things halfway right. i'm somehow taking taking bows while suspended from my legs from a trapeze I it's an upside down bow oh that's good that's real good so you get a good view on this you see all those lights go off and within like 30-ish seconds there is this glowing white light in the center of the ring that very quickly expands to about two three feet in diameter and then very quickly winks out and as it does you can see a very very old person he is a bald man at this point uh, he looks ancient like i wouldn't want to put a number to him because it would probably be too low and he is wearing all sorts of machinery just like all over his chest and neck and like there's tubes plugged into his nose and he is like on his hands and knees just like shaking in the center of the ring the lights are very slowly starting to come back up but no one has quite noticed him yet what do you do 
I am going to not use a special move, but I'm going to use a simple move, which is I'm going to assess the situation. Sure. You're just trying to check this guy out or what's your... Yeah, actually, I bet I could kind of use this because I can use this when I scope out a person. I'm going to use a special move because uh, I guess I can talk a little bit about my playbook. Yeah, yeah. Let's Um, let's talk about that. So I'm using the Beacon playbook, the uh, the classic Masks playbook. The Beacon is for non-powered characters who are just very excited to be a hero, which is, you know, what the circus is all about. Um, so I'm going to be using the move Straight Up Creepin', which lets me roll plus mundane rather than plus superior when scoping out a person, place, or thing. Nice. Well, I, t- I tell you what, before you roll right quick, um, because intent matters here, what are you most trying to figure out about this guy? Of these clues, the closest one here to what I mean is like, who is not what they seem. Sure. And it's sure. kind of like, or I guess what happened here recently, if I can make that adjacent to the idea of a person like can i tell what brought him here yeah absolutely okay i think that works just fine go for it okay that is a seven plus two that is a nine nice so i get to ask that question what what happened here recently you know with regards to what might have brought him here or anything like that sure give me a couple of panels of eliza trying to figure this out are you up on the trapeze are you coming down or Eliza is going to, back when the lights first went, uh, Eliza was sort of swinging back over to, like, where the the ladder, you know, the platform and the ladder would be. And Eliza is, like, very quietly climbing down this ladder. And as, as she's climbing, she's just got her eyes on this guy and trying to sort of figure out if there's something she can tell about, like, does she recognize his clothes from somewhere? Does she recognize any of the things that he's holding? Because Eliza's sort of, she's been all over the place, so she's kind of hoping that there's something in her knowledge pool that might remind her, like, oh, this person is from, this is what people from Arkansas look like. (laughs) This is definitely not what people from Arkansas look like. So as you're kind of coming closer, you do notice a couple of things. His clothes are old, almost starting to fall apart. And as you come closer, you notice that it looks like he is almost starting to fall apart too. But you do recognize a couple of things. He's wearing a waistcoat, and that waistcoat has in it and it's like he's just tucking it back into the pocket. A very fancy pocket watch that you have seen in wanted posters of one Professor Paradox. Now, Professor Paradox is a much younger person than this, but he is known to time travel. Whoa. Mm, so okay. this could, in theory, be a very, very aged Professor Paradox. Professor Paradox got robbed by an old guy. I I can't believe it. And I think as you are kind of like approaching, um, he sort of looks up and you can see like his skin even starting to wrinkle and like age and crack further even than it was. And he sort of like reaches a hand out towards you and he goes, stop, stop it, shut it, shut it down or this city is doomed. And as he says that, he just collapses in a heap and he may be out, he may be dead, you don't know. Well, I have no idea what he's talking about, and certainly it couldn't be stopping the circus, because the show (laughs) must go on. Certainly. So, uh, that said, at that point, as he says something and reaches out to you, definitely the audience notices that there is a person in the middle of the ring, and he has collapsed, and so so there is some screaming that has uh, begun now. And it's at that point that I want to get right back out to in front of this jewelry shop, because one of these thugs has just ran away, and as you see him run down the alleyway, the silence. What do you do? I want to jump on him. Yeah, go for it. I mean, you jump on him. Like Super Mario style. No, I don't want to do that. That would kill him. Um, I would like to intercept him. Sure, sure. Are you trying to, like, knock him out, or what are you trying to do? I think what the Silence would like to do is um, jump on the guy and sort of use some some 1940s judo maneuvers to sort of knock him over so he can restrain him. Oh, that's good. Go ahead. 1940s judo. We're, we're old school you know, superheroes. You know we don't do martial arts yet. You know what? Go ahead and directly engage that threat. And as that's you right. do, let's learn about your playbook. Well, I guess. So the Silence is using the Janus playbook, uh, the Janus's shtick 
being that you're a superhero with a secret identity. Uh, the secret identity, as we have alluded to before, is Norma Kelly, mild-mannered voice actress who is currently coincidentally, starring on the radio drama chronicling the Silence's uh, various adventures. The catch is that Norma is playing the Silence's girlfriend who gets captured a lot and needs to be rescued! (laughs) And uh, as part of the Janus, you do have a mask, and that mask embodies a specific label. What label does the Silence embody? The Silence embodies the label of Savior. Nice. Won't help you uh, directly engage this threat. But nice. It will not, but I did roll a nine. That is pretty good. Uh, So pick one off that list. So I would like to, even though the silence doesn't know that Andy's character is an ally, I do. I would like to create an opportunity for him. Yeah, I think that works. And how does that opportunity, do you just like jump down in the middle of the alleyway and like surprise this guy? Or how does that work? Uh, Yeah, what I do is um, I jump down in front of him Batman style. And um, I, I sort of like cow him, like he's he's spooked because all of a sudden there's a man in front of him. I, I sort of reach out and I, you know, I, I give him a good one across the chin. Nice. And sort of stun him. And there's I, a, an onomatopoeia bubble that pops up like, pow! So he is stumbling down the alleyway, uh, having just run into the silence. And I think at this point we see uh, at the mouth of the alleyway, we see infantry. He's basically backing right into you. What do you do? So he's backing his way up into me. I think rather than like move forward to apprehend him, mm-hmm. I think just like as he gets close to me, I just kind of stand there and like let him back into me before I'm assuming I've got some sort of like handcuffs or something to subdue him. Just like placing those around his wrists, nice. looking at him and being like, crime doesn't pay, buddy. And he definitely, like, jumps, uh, and, like, there's, you know, that little cartoon wheeling of his feet in the air before he realizes that, you know, he's just trapped. So, yeah, you 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 get him, you get him handcuffed. I, I'm not gonna make you roll for that. It's very, very doable at this point. There's two of you and one of him. So, one of these guys got put through a window. Uh, another guy, I'm assuming, got taken out by infantry uh, out on the sidewalk, and then this third guy is now handcuffed in the alley. And at this point, a couple of people are arriving on the scene. First of all, the police. Second of all, a very tall lady in, like, this leather top kind of, like, armor thing uh, with, you know, bronze bracers and a head headband with a little stone set in the center of her forehead. Uh, this is Lady Goliath. She is a 1940s superhero. She has super strength and nigh vulnerability, and she is the head of an organization called Clio, which is the Canadian League of Extraordinary Operatives, to which infantry as the soldier belongs. Give me the scene as they're pulling up. Have you, like, consolidated these crooks? Is the silence sticking around for this? What does it look like? Uh, the silence beats feet. Okay, so the silence is just gone. Yeah, just whoop, like Batman's, like Batman interacting with Commissioner Gordon style, like you look away for one second and he's gone. Can I uh, canonize the infantry gives the silence a sort of like acceptance bro nod before the silence leaves? The silence returns the bro nod. So as they uh, as they pull up, Lady Goliath has kind of like seen like the, the coattail of the silence, you know, over the uh, over the rooftop and sort of gives a little like sort of huh kind of look at it and then looks back down at uh, at infantry and gives you like a little salute and looks at the uh, the criminals looks at the broken window and she says that's a really good collar you got yourself there a uh, little little, <laughs> little bit a uh, little bit of collateral damage more than i might have uh, expected out of you but you know all told that was a that was a real stand up job you did there and she claps you on the shoulder and she is definitely trying to shift your labels uh she is shifting your superior up and your danger down do you accept this? Yeah, infantry's got too much respect for Lady Goliath to try to argue against that. And at this point, you start hearing some chatter on like the police radios, and it's like, Come in, come in, car four, car four. We have problems down at the old circus. Uh, meanwhile, down at the old circus. <laughs> so at this point, old, possibly Professor Paradox is absolutely out in the middle of the ring, and you can tell that he is crumbling like into a fine dust very, very quickly. So if he is still alive, probably not for much longer. But Eliza Highwire, people are starting to panic. What do you do? All right, everybody, there's been a bit of a bit of a unexpected turn, but what is the circus if not just full, full of surprises? So, um, if everyone can just 
uh, why don't you step to ring number two in the tent over there to see an amazing routine by our fabulous clowns, Clowno and Clownzo. <laughs> Do I have to, like, influence them or whatever? Um, I, I think... I think at this point uh, that's they're willing to go along with what you're what, what you're laying down. Like. I mean, look, wouldn't you be willing to go oh, see yeah, Clowno yeah, and Clownzo? Right. Cl- I'm already there for Clowno and Clownzo. I forgot that a man died horribly in front of my eyes already. Um, yeah, <laughs> right. That was probably just part of the act. They were probably just kind of struggling to figure out a good segue from from the act to the clowns. Yes, yeah, it's the circus. These things happen. So as people are yeah. starting to sort of shuffle off towards ring number two, your your ringmaster is sort of like stalking his way into the center of this ring. And this is Carlo, uh, the great Manjafuko, uh, who is the current ringmaster of the Keen Sister Circus. And he like stomps up to you and he's staring at this body that's like almost skeletal at this point. And he looks over at you and he goes, What is this? You've caused yet another problem in my circus, Eliza. Will your heroing business ever not get in the way? Well, uh... I- Admittedly, this one wasn't uh, wasn't wasn't exactly one of mine, but you know, hey, we we got a cool skeleton. And he starts kind of like stroking his little his little like uh, curly beard because obviously he's got one of those, right? Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. And he's like, hmm, hmm. And he starts walking over and sort of like rifling through his pockets, and he comes up with the pocket watch that you uh, suspect is some sort of time machine, and he's kind of like fiddling with it, which you suspect might be a little bit dangerous. What do you do, uh, Carl? Carlo, uh, if if you could, uh. I, I, I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe you shouldn't touch his belongings, considering he just exploded into a heap of bones. Maybe you want to put that down? And he kind of, like, turns around uh, and, like, shoves the pocket watch in one of his pockets just sort of casually. Um, goes, hmm, maybe, oh. maybe you're right, Eliza. Maybe it's best we left this alone. So, so Eliza, Eliza is a magician. Not a, not a wizard, but a magician. Uh-huh. Would I be able to pick pick his pocket? I think in this case, uh, I would I would call that maybe an unleash your powers because you're you know overcoming an obstacle, right? Yeah, so that yeah. would be oof. Well, I'm not good at that, um, <laughs> but I will I will try um, if sure. I'm allowed to. Yeah, absolutely, go for it. Okay, that is a six, so that's a miss. That's going to be a miss. So give me that panel. Like, how do you try and get close enough to him to pick his pocket? Well, what I'm going to think is, like, we're standing next to each other, or near each other anyway. Sure. So, uh, Eliza just kind of, like, you know, gets gets really, really close to him, and is like, you know, we we should let this be, we should let this be. And she's, like, doing doing a thing with her hand, like, you know, like when an anime character sort of waves their hand on, like, a 90-degree angle, mm-hmm. but it's because she's really trying to, trying to pat him down, and... You know, if if I can if I can just say, like, my guess is that Carlo probably taught her this stuff, so he isn't falling for it. I, I think actually the way I want to go with this. Oh fun, please, go fun, go a different funny, way. Funny enough, I think the way I want to go with this is that you're doing that, and he is definitely um very entranced by this swiftly decaying corpse, and you've actually got the pocket watch out of his pocket, and you're kind of like very carefully starting to lift it up, and you hear behind you a just this pop, right? And a white-gloved hand reaches forward uh, from betwixt you and Carlo's hands and just very gently cups that pocket watch and just slides back with it. And you hear from behind you, I believe that's mine, young lady. And we get the panel where, looking over your shoulder, in a top hat, a garish vest, it is bright red and blue, clock-themed everything. A clock-themed monocle, a tie with a clock-themed tie pin, clock cufflinks, and now holding a pocket watch, which he very deftly slips into the front of his vest. Big Salvador Dali curled mustache, and the panel above it says, Professor Paradox. Classic version. Professor Paradox? Now I want to get back out to infantry, and possibly the silence. You just heard infantry over the uh, police radio that there's maybe something going down at the circus. And, uh... Lady Goliath kind of looks at you and then motions towards one of the squad cars, and she is already the hell in. I'm assuming you're going with. Yes, assuming that she is heading towards the circus and not trying to get me away from the circus, uh, infantry is jumping right on in with her. Oh yeah, these these cars are tearing off towards the circus. 
because you can see kind of on the horizon towards towards the entrance to Simone Park, which is very near the center of town and where this big top is set up, uh, you can see that there is a little tinge of fire on the horizon. Uh, speaking of which, things that you can see from up on the rooftops, the silence, Simone Park is a little bit on fire right now. So, Oh, wonderful. Uh, yeah, so um, the silence sees infantry get into the squad car and drive off towards um, the park that's on fire. And we see him like look at the park and his eyes just narrow a little bit. And then he takes off, like, along the rooftops. Woo! Nice. We get back to the circus, and there's a little panel up top that says, Two minutes ago. Professor Paradox clicks the top of the stopwatch, or the little the little pocket watch that he just took from you, and there is a little blue bubble that kind of encircles uh, you, Carlo, and, and himself in the center of the ring. And then he spins the dial, and you can see these, like, very ghostly shadows of you and Carlo, and eventually the older Professor Paradox. He's turning back time to see what happened. And so this whole scene plays itself out in, you know, high speed, and he's, like, zipping back and forth and back and forth. And when, um, when the older Paradox reaches out to you, there's no sound. And so eventually he just stops, and he kind of, like, narrows his eyes and squints and looks over at you, and he goes, what did I say to you, young lady? You said, wow, this is an incredible circus. And he kind of like squints a little bit. I highly doubt that. I've seen the quality of your act. Excuse me? Does that hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck him up, girl. <laughs> well, Get his ass. Well, um, was, is that like, is this like an attempt at label shifting or? You know, you know what? Yes, I think he's trying to uh, shift, in this case, your mundane up, and probably, probably your freak down, because he's basically saying this is a very mundane, normal act. I'm going to resist this, because Eliza absolutely would. Okay, that's a six, so guess that didn't oh. work either. So on a miss, their words hit you hard. Mm -hmm. uh, so oh, mark, no! So mark a condition, and I'll adjust your labels. What you gonna mark? They, they, stats can go up to positive three, right? Yes. So, so what are you marking? I am going to mark, I guess, if it's insecure. Okay. I think that makes sense. Uh, because to be fair, Professor Paradox is, you know, an adult villain. He is, you know, he does have influence over you normally. I think this probably does make you feel weirdly, I think maybe less superior and more mundane. So maybe like mundane up, superior down. Oh, okay. Not freak? No, because in this case, I shift your labels, right? Not Paradox. With that, you can kind of see that behind him, the now swiftly turning to dust Paradox is starting to shift and move a little bit. The bones have broken out of his body and are starting to rise up and that dust that his body was made out of is starting to swirl around them. And it is lovely. You didn't tell me this was going to be a spooky podcast. I didn't. Uh, I'm sorry. Is it too spooky? That's fine. It's. Okay. I mean, I'm not scared. I'm just saying, like, okay. in case any of our listeners oh, don't worry. or my castmates might be scared, you know. I'm sorry. I'm not scared, though. Okay. If you do, you can always tell me to stop and I'll walk it back. We can just do <laughs> dust and no spooky skeleton. <laughs> Actually, yeah, can we re-record -re this entire thing so that instead of a skeleton, he turns into... I don't know, some coins. One of those wacky, waving, inflatable arm tube men. Okay, that fair was... enough, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so the dust of his body rises up and forms itself into this wacky, flailing tube form that is now starting to lurch towards the younger Professor Paradox. <laughs> <laughs> is that better? <laughs> and as it does, this sort of, like, blue dome that's around the, the group of you shatters, and as it does... The bits of it tear through the tent, and where it tears through, there is just fire. And Paradox, at this point, turns around and looks behind him and goes, Holy crackers, that's crazy! Uh, <laughs> let's get outside right quick, because it's been two minutes. Lady Goliath and uh, your police patrol come up to the entrance to Simone Park. Uh, most of the fire is right now on the actual circus tent itself, although you can see like a couple of trees that are lightly burning. Nothing that's an actual hazard yet. The silence, you are up on a rooftop, but down on the ground, infantry, Lady Goliath is jumping out of the car and starting to race towards the uh, tent where people are now fleeing from the fire. What are you doing? I'm gonna follow after. She's mm, the leader of Cleo. She knows what she's doing, so. Fair enough. So as she goes, she is basically trying to get people out of harm's way. She's yelling at them to, like, form an orderly line, you know, and just, like, 
moving them away from the tent proper, and she sort of motions to you to sort of, like, divert people off towards... There's a little pond in the center of Simone Park, which, if things are on fire, is probably not a bad place to divert to. The silence, you see this going on. What do you do? Oh, man, I knew she was going to tell people to form an orderly line. Canadians love lines! <laughs> uh, so with the, the silence isn't going to rush headlong into any daring do just yet. Um, he's sort of going to take a lap around the, the situation to see what's going on. Um, were there two separate tents? Yeah, this sounds to me like okay. I can assess the situation. Uh, so yeah, I think I would like to assess the situation. Let's go ahead and do that. Oh, I'm not doing a lot of assessing. That's a five. Okay. I'll just go ahead and mark potential. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. And also, uh, Eliza, if you did not mark potential. Oh, yeah. No, I've been doing it. Okay. So you were basically trying to what, set it, look at the uh, the actual situation, try and figure out what's going on here, or... Yeah, I kind of want to see what's going on. I want to see, like, where the fire started, if I can kind of get a look into maybe where, like, the center of the action is. Uh, so you can definitely see the center of action, and the reason you can tell this is because as you're trying to suss out the tents, a tent bleacher comes flying out the top of the tent in your exact direction. I would like you to take a powerful blow. Ooh, yowie, zowie. Okay. Two. Nice. So you do mark potential for that. Uh, and yes. on a miss, tell us how you avoid or weather this blow. Am I still up high or did I jump onto the ground? I don't know I if there's a place where I can like perch to look. There, there's trees around Simone Park. So if you were wanting to get okay. close, you could still be up in a tree. Okay. So um, the silence is, is perched up in a tree. And um, what was coming at me? Uh, a circus tent bleacher. So fantastic. Yeah. A circus tent bleacher is just pitched towards me, but I, using my supernatural senses, detect danger coming, and I do a very acrobatic flip out of the tree, and I avoid the bleacher, and I sort of tuck and roll and get down on the ground. Uh, so inside the tent, this uh, this raging, uh, flailing dust monster has just, like, batted an arm, sent a tent bleacher flying. Professor Paradox is now backed away towards you, and he's, like, frantically pushing the button on the watch and going, Why did I build a timer into this? Why wasn't it just instant? Eliza, what do you do? So Eliza obviously doesn't know how this time travel machine works. But Eliza isn't one for really thinking too much before she acts. Uh, I'm going to just try to grab grab the watch from him again. <laughs> nice. Just try to steal it from him? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, so is this, that... Yeah, Ooh, in this ahead. case, that is directly engaging. Uh, well, that's a five. So I'll mark potential again. You're gonna you're going to level up in no time. It's fine. Yeah. So I think you reach towards the watch. And Paradox just, like, reaches out his gloved hand and grabs your wrist and then sort of, like, shoves you forward, like, pulls you forward and, like, sends you uh, into Carlo. And the two of you tumble to the ground. And Carlo, at this point, was trying to scramble away from this. And now you are both kind of in the path of this raging, swirling, flailing uh, dust monster. Not going to make you roll for a powerful blow or anything quite yet, but you're definitely in a bad place. Infantry, outside, you have just seen a tent bleacher come flying out of that thing. You can now hear this, like, whirling, like, howling wind from inside. And you did see the silence acrobatics their way out of the way. And they are now on the ground. And the silence, are you running towards the danger or... What are you doing at this point? I'm going to run towards the danger. Okay. I do just want to note real quick that when the silence gets up from that acrobatics maneuver he pulled, he does kind of adjust his hat in like sort of a very <laughs> self-satisfied way. Yes. So, so infantry, you definitely see that happening. What do you do? How far away am I from Lady Goliath right now? Probably like 30, 40 yards. You're sort of on either side of the tent directing people in two different directions. Okay, so I'm... Within shouting distance, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I'm going to look over at her and just say, With all due respect, ma'am, I think people can figure out to run away from the danger. I'm needed elsewhere. Okay. And I'm just going to take off bolting towards the dust monster. Cool, so you're heading in towards the tent too. Quick question, along the way, would you say that I have a chance to observe my opposition before this presumable fight, or is uh, that not a I think I think once no you, I think once you get inside the tent, you definitely will have a second. So if you want to go ahead and roll for that move, go ahead and All roll right. for it. That is a six plus two is an eight. All right, so you'll be holding two that you'll be able to use for a whole host of things as we get into this. So let's get into this. So the silence and infantry both enter the tent at roughly the same time from two different directions. And at this point, Professor Paradox has 
rather than trying to use his time machine to uh, telejaunt out of here, he's doing that like high-stepping uh, villain run towards the back of the tent. Yes, high right? knees. Yep, the high knees. Yep. So he's doing that towards hey, the back hey, of knee. the tent. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to get uh, right quick to Highwire because you are in a tangle on the ground with Carlo, uh, your ringmaster, in front of a swiftly approaching dust monster. You can feel like the wind and like the tearing sensation as it gets close to you. What do you do? So I'm gonna I'm gonna leap to my feet and that's that's not hard to do even if i'm a little tangled because eliza is very nimble well uh this is a little outside of my skill set but i'm going to try and uh eliza is going to grab her like balancing parasol and just kind of brace herself and prepare for anything that's about to happen uh she's kind of going to stand in front of carlo so like at least at the very least she can deflect things from hitting him. I, I think I want to roll that as a defend someone. Hey, I'd love to level up. Um, <laughs> I have a minus two to defend and a plus two, so yeah, it's, it's just a zero. Me. You're fine. Well, that's a five. <laughs> Jeez, Evan. Maybe I need new dice. <laughs> oh, I don't... save some leveling for the rest of us, pal. <laughs> I don't <laughs> actually yeah, believe in luck, but um, oh, I'm gonna switch to dude. to these dice instead. Yeah. I'm gonna give you a choice. You can either take a powerful blow here. And yeah. keep Carlo safe. Or you cannot take a powerful blow, but Carlo will not be safe. Eliza is going to take a powerful blow. Okay, I rolled another five. That's good. Which is a six, because it's plus one, but that's still good. So this monster, just like one of these wacky flailing fla- uh, uh, tornado hands, just like rushes down at you and encompasses both you and your parasol and Carlo. Uh, tell me how you weather this blow. Eliza is going to kind of spin with the wind, right? So kind of like how you would lean a a car into the skid. She's going to start spinning like dance style. And as she's doing that, she's kind of going to push Carlo out of the the funnel, you know, use her momentum Mm -hmm. to kind of swing him out. So he kind of like goes goes flying across the room but not in a hurtful way and in spinning with the wind by comic book logic she's getting less battered by the wind yeah i think that works uh i do a uh, fun fact and something that i just saw in a twitter thread recently that blew my fucking mind this is still a failed role i still get to make a move um so i think what's going to happen here though is that you're spinning with this wind and it lifts you up kind of off the ground by your parasol and flings you uh, towards the bleachers where I think is where the silence is coming in. So the silence, you once again have something flying at you, but rather than a bleacher this time, it's Eliza Highwire. What do you do? I would like to catch her. Nice. I would like you to uh, roll to defend someone. (laughs) Don't worry, I'll roll to defend you with my extremely strong arms. I mean, you you uh, you do savior, so... I do. All right. That's a nine. Nice. Get in these arms, babe. <laughs> <laughs> so I want I want that panel right quick. Tell me how that looks. Well, Evan, would you like to describe it or should I? Why don't you start with describing it? Because I'm going to have some dialogue um, and your character literally will not. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So um, Eliza is pitched at the silence and uh, the silence and sort of a think fast sort of reflexive thing just grab like catches her like he doesn't so much catch her as Eliza lands in his chest and like knocks him back like about six inches or so and then she sort of gravity takes over and falls into his arms and he's standing there holding this woman the hat is askew again and his eyes are just sort of like circular and he looks down at her Oh, thank you so much. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. You're, you're the silence. Oh, oh my goodness. I can't believe, I can't believe today I got saved by the silence. I, I have to tell you, I have to tell you, silence, you are tied for my number one, number one favorite celebrity. I, I, I can't, like, when... When this is over, would you would you stay and see the sh- you you know what let let's 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 worry about this later. Uh, I'm Eliza Highwire, uh, the star of this uh, this fine circus, and I think we need to stop that tornado from destroying my boss. <laughs> the silence nods. Speaking of which, 
So infantry, it's been a minute since we've been over to you. You come in and you basically see this whole thing happen where this crazy dust uh, inflatable flailing arm tornado man uh, flings a young trapeze artist across the, the circus who gets caught by your, I guess, recent ally, the silence. And now it's turning around and trying to search for something. Um, Professor Paradox has since hightailed it out of here. He is gone from sight, but it's definitely looking for something. And in its searching, it turns towards you, infantry, and it starts trying to make its way out towards the front of this tent where all these people are because it can hear them. And the only thing standing between it and them is you. So what do you do? How far, like, I don't need an exact distance, but like, on a scale of 1 to 10, how far away from me is this thing? Like, is it right up on me, or is it fairly far away? It's fairly big and spread out, um, so it can close the, dif- the distance pretty quickly, but it is, I mean, if you know, like, your standard circus ring size, it's kind of right in the middle of that, and you're at the edge. All right. I think, since I'm still fairly in the entryway, I'm going to just sort of, like, plant my feet down into the ground underneath me, and I'm like, you're not making it past me. Bring it on. Nice. Uh, so are you just like, are you basically just stealing yourself to intercept it as it tries to get past you? Basically stealing myself once it gets within sort of punching range, it is getting punched as hard as I can, yeah. Cool. Let's go ahead and have you then roll to do that, um, and let's have you directly engage a threat. Uh, and at this point, actually, before you roll, funny enough, let's trigger a team move, because you are now engaging as a team. So let's do that right quick, shall we? Who do you think is in control of this fight? Who do you think's leading this? Infantry thinks it's himself. Okay. Uh, Eliza, who do you think is leading this? Silence. Okay, Silence, who do you think is leading this? Uh, the silence is kind of following infantry's lead. So I think that'll actually work, funny enough, by consensus. Uh, so infantry, what is your purpose in this fight? My purpose is to stop this thing from getting out to attack the citizens. Cool. Eliza, how about you? Uh, help Carlo. Sure. And the silence, how about you? Uh, stop the monster, protect the citizens, figure out what this lady's deal is. Okay, uh, so not the same purpose. Uh, and do any of you mistrust anyone else on this team? No. Uh, no. Yeah. Cool. And I don't think you're ill-prepared or off-balance. So that puts us at three in the pool. So with that, go ahead and directly engage this dust monster. Alrighty. That is an 11 minus two is a nine. Nice. So we do have three in the team, Eliza or the Silence. Is there a way you can help with this to make it a 10 plus? Yeah, that would be great. Before you sort of run in, I'm going to point and I'm going to be like, use the trampoline right there. It's going to help you. <laughs> and just pointing out like this this trampoline, like and near the trampoline is like, you know, a whole bunch of like a cannon and, and all of all of these kind of things. So it's like letting giving you the ability to sort of give yourself a little more momentum into this attack. Infantry, how do you want to incorporate some circus gear into your act to get you to that 10 plus? I think since the trampoline was specifically what was pointed out, Mm -hmm. I want to engage my robo legs to sort of hit like a burst of not quite super speed, but it definitely makes them faster than your average person. I'm going to build up that momentum and use the trampoline to springboard and basically, uh... Superman punched this thing in the closest thing to a face that it has. Nice. Okay, so pick two off of that list. I think I am going to resist or avoid their blows, and I'm not sure if this would be considered take some- I guess it would be taking something from them. I want to basically take its escape route. I want to keep it contained in the area that it's in. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very doable. Uh, So yeah, you springboard off and you clobber it right in the middle. And you do punch straight through kind of its like center mass sort of torso thing. And as you do, you do feel in the center of this uh, some kind of like hard something. You're not really sure what, but it's definitely denser than the rest of it. And it sort of staggers back towards the center of the ring. And let's get over to the silence right quick. What do you do? Oh boy. Um. So has, has infantry sort of given me insight on where exactly to hit this thing? You know what? I'll, I'll say that you can definitely see that, that infantry met some resistance towards the center. Can I uh, get a quick line? I want to look over to the silence and Eliza and be like, it's like a Charleston chew. It's got a it's got a core in the middle. Probably what we should aim for. The silence sticks out a hand with a thumbs up. 
Oh, that's good. All right. So what do you do? So what else do we have in terms of circus gear? Whatever you think should be here. It's, oh, it's the most extra circus you can imagine. It's so very extra. We got it all. Okay, what I would like to do is, is there like a, there's got to be a strong woman act if this is a good circus. Oh, definitely. Uh, so I want to find those like big barbells that the strong women have. And I want the silence to sort of like unscrew one of them from the end of the um, the rod. So it's just kind of like a big comical looking hammer. Okay, into it. Can I? Um, yeah, where, where, where are we going with this? Let's keep going. Okay, um, I want to use the trampoline um, to sort of jump and see if I can like jump into the air and like whack the center of this thing with this this makeshift hammer I've made. Go ahead and engage that threat. Well, that's a two. Yes. Um, <sighs> oh, Fill up that potential track. That's so good. <laughs> I just completely whiff it. Oh, this is so. Oh this my is god, so I beef it so bad this in is... front of this woman who's in love with me. Oh, that is so good. You take your barbell hammer over to the trampoline, uh, and you are jumping up in the air. And as you're coming down, all cool-like, and we get that panel that we think, yeah, this is going to be a really solid hit. This is going to be fucking awesome. This this thing just turns, grabs you in one big tornado hand, uh, and just flings you across across the circus. You impact the bleachers at real high speed. I think you break through a couple of them. Um, and I do need you to take a powerful blow here. Well, that's a six for taking a powerful blow. At least we're failing the important rolls. Uh, we are. So, uh, so what I imagine, um, it, that's a, a complete failure, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you weather the six. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the silence gets knocked like through these bleachers. Um, the, the hammer gets thrown like askew somewhere. And then we get like a beat panel of like just the bleachers kind of like smoking with this big hole in the center of them. And then all of a sudden the silence pops up with, with his arms up like I stuck the landing. <laughs> And let's get from that panel over to Eliza. Uh, so this thing is now standing sort of in the middle of this, and this just ungodly roar is coming from it. And its bottom is starting to rotate counter to its top, and it's starting to suck all of this, like, broken debris into it. There is going to very swiftly be an actual event here. What do you do? One thing that I do have in, in addition, it's sucking things in, right? So one thing that I do have is I kind of modified the beacon playbook slightly in that trick arrows are something that is allowed, but I just went with just trick, like the functionality of trick arrows in basically props and stuff. So what Eliza is going to, she's going to open up uh, her, her parasol and the parasol, like, inside it, if you think about what a closed umbrella looks like, she has a whole bunch of, like, just different circus-type props, small things, right? And what she's going to do is she is going to start juggling some balls, juggling balls, but these are actually uh, small-grade explosives. So Eliza is going to try to throw these juggling balls at the tornado, hoping that the suction of the tornado will sort of pull them in and explode its core. Nice. And I think that is definitely going to be a directly engage. <laughs> okay. That is a 10. Nice. Woo! Nice. So go ahead and give me two off that list. Okay. So I am going to create an opportunity for my allies. And I am also going to impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition because there is no way the opposition was expecting a juggling attack. I think your plan works just beautifully. Um, the the vortex that's going on here now just sucks these grenades up into the into the center of it, and we get a couple of panels from outside the circus tent as this happens. So we can see uh, Lady Goliath down towards the one side, who has just kind of finished shuffling the rest of the civilians off away from the tent proper, and probably a good thing that she did. And when she looks back to the tent, we see, like, her eyes kind of, not with, like, anything bad, but just, like, surprise she wasn't expecting to see this, because hovering over this circus tent and sort of watching, you know, through the big hole where that uh, bleacher came through is a form that the Gold Age readers will be very familiar with, but this is the first time we have seen him on the page. This is Gold Age Axiom. And Gold Age Axiom wears, as we said, a nano, it's an alien nanotech energy suit, and it's even called that in the, in the Gold Age, and what it looks like is your basic blue and silver spandex uh, with a big star on the front reminiscent of, you know, the stars and stripes. And so he is basically blue and white rather than red, white, and blue. And, but he does have a very light 
sort of blue glow all the way around his body. It stops at his neck. You can see his entire face. He is your stereotypical blonde-haired, blue-eyed white guy. He's got a very square jaw with a little dimple that at certain angles is reminiscent of a butt. (laughs) And he's definitely very well-built. And I think uh, as he sees these explosives kind of like get sucked in, we get that same sort of look on his face that Lady Goliath has looking at him of that not like afraid of this, but just surprised that it happened. And then we get a panel that just shows the circus tent exploding. First off, as this dust settles, I want to get a couple of panels of the rest of our heroes. Let's start with Eliza. Did you expect this to work that well? No, no, (laughs) not not at all. Um, But Eliza doesn't miss a beat. After realizing that this worked this way, she she turns to the the other two, takes takes a bow, and says, I told you. I was going to bring down the house. So let's move over to infantry. So we have this very fine dust uh, kind of raining down from the top of the circus tent, and it's sort of coating everyone. What does infantry look like in these panels? I think it's mostly shock. He's got like an arm up over his eyes to stop any of the dust from getting in them. He's sort of looking around to see in the back of his mind, he knows that this feels too easy. He's looking around for the proverbial other shoe to drop. Okay, Uh, let's go ahead and have you assess that situation then. That is an 11 plus 3 is 14. Okay, so uh, so yeah, give me a couple of those questions off assess. First and foremost is what here is the biggest threat, assuming there is something that is still a threat. I think we get um, a panel, because we have that one where infantry is just sort of shielding his eyes and then we get a panel from over his shoulder to show what's going on in the center of the ring right now and this is going to kind of pan into uh, sort of the silence's reaction but we see kind of floating in the middle of the ring um, where that hard spot was in this dust monster that you know that infantry found earlier it's a square cut emerald about four or five inches to a side, so it's relatively large. Oh, shit. Yeah, and it is just hovering solidly in midair, just like fixed in the point where this thing exploded from. Now, hold on to your second question for just a second, because I want to pan past that to the silence. The explosion happened, and the silence had like an oh, shit moment, and like ducked back into the bleachers. So he's still standing there in the hole where he was, And he just, like, takes off his hat and starts, like, waving it around to get the dust off. Mm -hmm. And, like, brushing off his shoulders and, like, his overcoat. And he, like, parks the hat on his head, like, like, with one hand, like, very ungraciously. And then sees the the emerald and has, like, a a little reaction shot. Like, there's the little lines above his head indicating that he's noticed something. And and we can see uh, in the panel, I think, in, like, the little spaces between the bleachers uh the the audience sees this but you know the the silence doesn't quite we can see something but i want to get to uh infantry's second question before i describe what that is so what is your second question my second question is what here can i use to figure out what that emerald is or what it's trying to do that one's a little bit trickier so as the the roof has come off of this you know big top none of you have ever seen anything quite like this it's sure it's a big old gem which you know, in superhero comics is not necessarily rare, but the fact that it's just kind of like hovering here in the middle of what used to be a dust monster, you're kind of at a loss for what in a circus could help you. But you do see kind of floating down through the top of the tent, or what used to be the top of the tent, Axiom. And Axiom's been all over the place. Axiom's wearing an alien nanotech energy suit. Uh, So Axiom may be a better source of information than your circus. And what we see in the bleachers behind the silence is the face of young Professor Paradox, and he's kind of like twirling his mustache, and he kind of like licks his lips, and he goes, Hmm, now there's a prize. (laughs) 
Masks, a new generation, is written for Magpie Games by Brendan Conway. It is made of plenty rugged pills, patsies, and pallies, all cute as a bug's ear in spandex. It's real kippy, so shake a leg and drop some lettuce on it, you pip. Infantry is played by Andy. You can find him and his many other projects on Twitter, at AndyLion92. The Silence, slash Norma Kelly, is played by Lee of the Rollout Podcast. You can find them on Twitter, at it's Hamhawks. Eliza Highwire is played by Evan of the Rollout Podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Uncle Petunio. Lowdown is that Apex City is GM'd by Jeremy, which same scrub also writes the music and edits this podcast. Our album art was provided by Ash Brandt. Find them on Twitter at Cinder underscore Brandt, on Instagram at Brandt.ash, and on Tumblr at Kimmons. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or whatever clip joint you prefer, Cinder Dick. Follow us on Twitter at Apex City Cast. Thank you for listening, and we'll dig you next issue.